Welcome to Special One Cards Podcast, a weekly podcast on the soccer market, soccer cards. We talk about prospects, we talk about products, and we look at some data to help you make some buying decisions for the future. Hosted by me, Paulo, on a weekly basis. Look for special guests occasionally. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram, at Special One Cards. Looking forward to interacting with all of you. All right, welcome everybody to episode 22 um, with me, Paulo, Special One Cards. I We do have a special guest today. I, sh- I always say we and it's just me. So uh, usually I don't have a guest. Here and there we do them. Um, but today we have um, Mike, uh, who also is known as AKA Vets Cards on IG. So you can give him a follow at uh, V-E-T-S dot cards. Mike, uh, welcome. Thank you, Paulo. Give a little intro uh, about yourself, uh, what you do in the hobby, etc. We know, I mean, not everybody knows this, but you do work at a hobby shop. Uh, that's up to I you. Do. If you I promote do. that idea or promote the shop, feel free. Uh, I don't care. Um, we're not sponsored or anything like that. So. <laughs> not <laughs> so yet. Who give, knows? Give, your, uh, give your little intro. So I'm Mike. Uh, I had a, I got my name Vets Cars just because I uh, eight years in the military. I recently got out last year, and I just wanted to initially start by kind of connecting the civilian world and the military world through the hobby. Uh, a lot of my friends in the military were the reasons why I got back into the hobby, and I collect mostly soccer. As Paulo and I met because of soccer at a show. And I am, you know, I do baseball, mostly building prospecting, some hockey, you know, young guns and some goats. I eat like Gretzky and Lemieux. Uh, I do work at a card shop. Uh, I work at Ken's Cards in Berlin. Many of you are familiar with the name. He's been in the game for a while. And uh, fortunately enough, he gave me a job when I got the military for while I'm in school. And, uh, and here I am today, a year and a half later since coming back to the hobby. Well, thank you for that intro. And uh, first and foremost, thank you for your service. Thank you. Uh, everybody in the hobby should uh, obviously embrace our servicemen uh, and service women that have served for our country. Uh, so, you know, th- for that, I am thankful, as I'm sure many other people are. You are, uh, you said Berlin. Uh, we didn't mention the state. You're in Berlin, Connecticut. That's where you work at Ken's. Oh, uh, yeah, Berlin. I've been there a few times where you've been there. Um, it's a, you know, I'm not going to lie. I don't hate the shop. Um the what I do hate about it is there there isn't a lot of soccer there, uh, unfortunately, or hockey. The two yeah. sports that I really primarily focus on myself. Just mentioning that, I took care of it today. We got th- two cases of uh, OPG hockey coming in. Oh, very nice. That's a fun product too. Um, mm-hmm. We sold a lot of artifacts as well. Sold oh, a lot of artifacts. Cool. No, the cup though, right? You have any the cup in the no. store? No. I I I asked. I even asked for even if I had to get like a personal. It was just out of the question. The prices were too high. From yep. the distributor. Yeah, super risky product too. I've gotten into mm-hmm. I think three or four breaks and I've like struck out completely. So it's kind of like, you know, it's it's a real risk, but at the same time, it's you know, if you want to buy it personally, you're probably paying what twelve or fourteen hundred bucks now. I don't even know what the price on it. Yeah, it's in that window. Yeah. So like I said, you're in Connecticut. I'm in Connecticut. I'm obviously not from Connecticut. I moved down here a few years ago myself. Uh, so I've been trying to kind of get the lay of the land here. And, you know, we met a year and a half ago or so at a show because of common interest. Um, you went to the show this weekend. What are they called now? E3? Is it called E3 Con or something? Yeah. Like 
E3Con uh, East Coast Collectibles Convention. So it's a mouthful. So they, they had to dumb it down to E3Con, which is, it sounds cool. And I like the name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I was there Saturday. You were there on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, perspective on the show was there was not very much soccer or hockey. And the people that did have that stuff, um, not so much the soccer guy in the back. I can't remember his name. He's a good dude. Um, but, uh, you know, some of the guys with the hockey stuff were just ridiculous with their pricing. You know, uh, some of our, I'm not going to mention names. Uh, I don't want to cause a, a rumble with people, but uh, there are particular people here from Connecticut that participate at these shows constantly and they're three and four X comps on stuff. And then when you approach them with things to try to make deals where you're letting them win, they still won't do the deal because they just don't. Uh, I don't know if it's a lack of trust or if there's just a, or, or they think you're too smart, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, my example mm-hmm. is one of my good friends who was with me this weekend. Uh, you probably know him as Rui Patricio collectors. We ended up meeting at the show together. Yep. We walked the floor mm-hmm. together. We were only there about two and a half hours and he tried to sell some wrestling to one of these gentlemen. And he was flat out told that I don't use comps. So it's kind of like, you know, so what do you use? You just make up a number in your head, right? <sighs> yep. So for That's me, I've seen some of the the frustration for me uh, around here are some of these shows are decent shows, but, uh, you know, you kind of see the same shit. Pardon my friendship for any kids listening to this, but you kind of see the same stuff over and over from a lot of these guys, uh, you know, and you work a lot on Saturday, so you don't get to go to some of those Saturday shows. Mm-hmm. But if you've gone to some of them, I don't know if you've seen anything before or, you know, kind of want to get your perspective kind of on the show scene here in Connecticut. So, yeah, I do work most Saturdays, just as how the scheduling goes. But I have gotten some Saturdays off where I went to the E3Con, the previous one. In, I want to say it was a few months ago. I did the Saturday show. I did very, I did well that day. Um, everyone was willing to deal, which was surprising because it was not the same effect that I received this past Sunday at E3Con, which we'll get to. But I feel like a lot of people, they buy into the hype of the sport at the time, and they think they can try to overcapitalize. You know, for instance, at the time of the last show I went to before this weekend, because of the World Cup, everyone was buying up France and Mbappe. And I'm a very heavy Mbappe collector, and I know my prices off the top of my head. And there were some guys who had some fire. I mean, like some good stuff. And 50%, you know, above comps, 70% over comps, just because he's, you know, leading for Golden Boot. But that effect would only have happened maybe if he had won the World Cup on top of his performance that he had in the final, which was phenomenal. Shame that it ended that way. But, you know, we can get we can go go all day with that. But no, the scene the scenes here is it's rough. I, I actually had a better time at the first E three con. I think everyone was willing to go nuts that day because it was the first show. Everyone they wanted to set the tone. But you know, you can't set the tone and, and then stop meeting that level, you know, and that's that's how I felt this past weekend. Uh, I only made one deal. Uh, it was a hockey card. It was a Wayne Gretzky rookie SGC three. Um that was on my list. I wanted to get the goat in my opinion and I got him. But after that, I saw man, the card. It's a very cool card. Thank you. But after that, man, prices were just crazy. Like I literally showed two auctions that had just ended within minutes of the, another card I wanted, and like, I was like, "No, I'm firm." And it was like plus two hundred over. I was like, you know, cash in hand, ready to buy. But people were just, I think they're they're trying to hold out because taxes are coming around the corner. So they think if they hold longer, people will be more 
you know, trigger happy with spending, but that's just not a good tactic, especially when you're paying a hundred dollars plus for a table. Yeah, I and I didn't. It's just so bad. I actually didn't spend a dime besides paying the ten dollars to get in there. That's how bad it was. I ended up, I ended up selling a card, and I so I was only a hundred into the Gretzky, and then I spent twenty dollars at lunch. Like it, it was just, I was so ready to buy, and no one was willing to deal. Yeah, I think you know we're obviously the the economic factors are playing a factor into what everybody's doing. I think some of these guys, especially. Mm-hmm. And you know me, I kind of hang around the, you know, the the fifty to like five hundred dollars slab. I don't go usually above mm-hmm. that number. I just don't want to take that risk. That's just me. But I think a lot of these guys that are having those higher end things, or you know, uh, not even so much that you know, you got guys with a three hundred forty dollars slab selling it for twelve hundred, which I was kind of like, who are you trying to fool? You know what I mean? Um, And for me, I kind of look at it and say, well, I think maybe some of these guys got either one in over their heads and now they got to try to, you know, see if they can sell it to make their Mm -hmm. money. But if you're doing that and you're spending $300 on a table at a show, you don't have your priorities straight. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, spending that money at a show is ridiculous. If you can't move a card um, and, and like you said, you have some guys coming into certain sports that know nothing about the sport, but they're just trying to catch the wave. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to name names, but you know, particularly there are people out there that are just buying hockey to buy hockey because they see that, of course, there's a wave in hockey. The hockey mm-hmm. market is really well. It's consistent for me. It is. I don't sell everything. I sell some things, but, um, and soccer is a whole different animal, right? And we primarily talk about soccer on the show, you know, uh, in terms of soccer, is there anybody, you know, you know, you mentioned Mbappe, uh, is there anybody that else that you're looking at at the moment where there is opportunity uh for people that we may not even be discussing yet or maybe i haven't discussed maybe you haven't even discussed um i actually have two guys that i have actually been looking into uh buying more of i actually keep like a lot of my you know tails on the low obviously we'll discuss them we keep our stuff pretty locked up until we're you know ready to share but uh two guys i'm looking at right now is uh, victor ozzyman uh from napoli having a phenomenal year uh given a huge price tag him and Kavara both uh were approached by uh real madrid and i'm pretty sure is liverpool uh price tags of 100 and 130 respectively for either and i think ozzyman has got a bright future he's killing it this year in syria uh um, I saw someone post a goal refractor from Merlin, uh, PSA 10. I was like, wow, like I forgot how nice Ozzyman's cards were. I ended up finding a cracked ice of his. Uh, I think they're out of 250, but it looked good. I might, I might econ that. And then another guy, I mean, everyone knows him, but in my opinion, it's his last year at uh, Dortmund. It's Jude Bellingham. He's going to be dipping out soon to a true contender. Um, really hoping – uh, the rumor of him going to Real Madrid happens. You know, he's possibly going to replace Modric in that position. I think he's more than capable. Not to his level yet. You know, prime Modric is prime Modric. Everyone knows. But I think Bellingham can definitely fill that role. They're going to have a, a super young midfield. You know, Chumini and Camavinga. You know, with Jude Bellingham, that could be a disturbing mid three. And then you, when uh, Benson gets replaced with whoever else, you know, down the road, that team is going to be insane. So, I, I, you know, Jude Bellingham... Victor Ozzyman, those two guys are on my list. And if anyone finds Fabio Miretti cards, <laughs> please, 
a stack. Fabio Miretti. I'm not even saying that because I'm a Juventus fan. Fabio Miretti, that kid's going to be the truth. He can play. Uh, so it's interesting that you bring up those names, right? Those are guys that I think everybody right now is looking for, right? Um, mm-hmm. Guys that, you know, everybody knew about Jude Bellingham. Uh, Victor Osam, I never got the recognition he mm-hmm. should have because he was injured a lot. He, you know, last year he suffered that facial injury that, you know, mm-hmm. fractured orbital bone that caused him to miss a lot of time. And but he was killing it last year too. Um, I myself have been following him for a while, obviously, even from his days in the French league. Uh, even before that, he was in Germany. So mm-hmm. um right now, I don't think I mean everyone's gonna disagree with me. Uh, you know, everyone's a Holland lover and they love Holland as the best number nine in the world, but there's something to say at the moment this season, Osamayan is uh, remarkable. Um, and the reason I say that, and I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, is because he scores meaningful goals. And we talk about Holland and people are going to say, well, you're just a Holland hater. I'm not a Holland hater. He's a very good player, but he hasn't scored meaningful goals yet. And that's I, and that's why I think I we're starting to see a little kind of a little dip in Holland's cards uh, in terms of that. I think like the Luca effect in the NBA, you kind of had that price baked in already into what cards are, are valued at or what they're going for. Mm-hmm. Where with Victor, his cards are, are getting expensive, but I still think there's a lot of room uh, for his stuff. Uh, and even your guy like Dusan at, at Juventus, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's another yep. guy I think is really good. He could potentially move this summer too. Cause like Juventus got to put, they got to get their books in order. Um, mm-hmm. it depends where he ends up, but those, you know, the guys that you brought up, obviously Jude, I think he's generational. I've said it from the beginning. Um, you know, uh, today actually zips cards. We know him, one of our other friends here, mm-hmm. he actually hit me up and, good guy. and he was actually like, how is Musiala double Pedri in terms of value right now or cost? I go, why not? Musiala has double the production. So his, mm-hmm. his values are warranted at this point, you know, um, so, you know, those are guys that I like those picks of yours uh, because I still think th- those guys still have, I mean, even Jude, I mean, it's stuff expensive, but I think there's still a lot of potential in those, in those plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you, agree um, do you uh, generally, uh, and I hate this conversation with people because I talk about it, uh, the word flipper, right? That term gets thrown mm-hmm. around a lot. Um, I actually think a flipper is everybody who sold a card, regardless. Um, whether you're using that money to to fund your PC, which I do that too. Um, we're all flippers in this. We're all trying to get to something that we want. Yeah. I don't think everyone's necessarily money-driven like yourself or Zips cards or some others that I know, Rui Patricio, guys like that. Um, we're collectors at heart, I think. Uh, and I think we just like to leverage things to get us to other, other cards. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it necessarily does not mean that, you know, I'm trying to get a, you know, thousand dollar card. Uh, you see me with my Celtic stuff. I buy the Jota cards because I because I because I collect them. Um, they're mm-hmm. not the most valuable things, but um, what is your stance on that? I kind of want to uh, try to get an understand. This is something I haven't asked guests before, and I probably yeah. should. But I want to kind of get your stance on that because it's it, we're starting to get a lot of people that frown upon it. But I think that's because as a collector base that thinks. You know, uh, collecting is collecting and flipping is flipping. I think it's the same thing, essentially, to get you to you where you want to be. Um, and the other aspect is I think a lot of people have left the hobby already uh, because mm-hmm. they don't have the opportunity there because people think that there's no opportunity. 
Uh, and I talked about last week how there is opportunity if you play your cards right. The example I gave was Ovechkin, right? I bought four of his mm-hmm. second year upper deck cards uh, raw on eBay. I was like, I'll take a shot. Two of them nine and two of them ten. So I was, you know, uh, 67 bucks with grading and the cost of those cards. I sold one for 100, 110 shipped. And I still have the other three. So, you know, kind of want to get your stance, what your kind of your method to your madness is, how you do things, uh, what your goals are, just trying to get a little understanding. So to answer the first question of like my view on like what the term flipper is, um, I mean, essentially we all are, like you said, I mean, if you want to get the thousand dollar car, you start by, you know, buying and selling one to $3 and you keep working your way up your increments from there. But I mean, essentially my opinion of flipping, I feel like flipping, if you're flipping solely for personal gain outside of the hobby, because there's a lot of people, for instance, the retail sharks where they go, they know the timing, they hit the, the restock, they wipe the shelves. You know, they blow out the prices because, you know, first week sales are always the highest and they just continue to do that for personal gain. I kind of put that in the flipping department, but as a flipper, as your title, but for us, you know, being sports card collectors, investors, brokers, I know a lot of guys who solely do, you know, that they just post other people's cards because they have a good following and that's how they fund their cards, you know, along with their own buy, sell trades and, you know, then you have your investors who solely are strategic number wise. They know what they're investing in. They they have like a projected ROI or, you know, return on investment. You know, they have their numbers and they try to meet those numbers. Uh, the method to my madness is like my PC. I mean, I could buy the expensive stuff, you know, like a PC, like wrestling cars, like Undertaker, you know, mm-hmm. PC Del Piero from Juventus. You know, I could buy the expensive, but I like to display it in, in my own like special way so like i try to not buy expensive stuff on my pc you know like i keep it to like 15 to 25 dollars a card just because you know if it's someone i collect it shouldn't matter what kind of card it is but that's my personal opinion um when it comes to like the business aspect part of it where i'm buying selling trading uh, i'm always looking to be a little bit ahead you know even if it's like 15 percent, like i'm not going to gouge you if you, uh, if you're trying to sell a card i'm not trying to maximize all the time you know and then the same thing goes for when i'm selling i try to at least you know make my margin but still leave meat on the bone for, for someone to make you know their 15 20 percent uh i just i stick to what i know but i ask a lot of questions about other sports um paulo will attest to that i just wanted to get back into hockey and you know within a year i i picked up some knowledge and you know i'm still asking questions to this day because you you know you just never know everything about any sort of hobby but i just try to meet my numbers um i collect mostly soccer because that's my background but i'm always open to other sports and even pop culture reference cards as well yeah no i I, i'm kind of with you you know and sometimes you know, you've asked me questions before I answer them. I'm glad to. I've learned from you. I learned, I learned, I'm learning all the time too, man. I, you know, honestly, like it's, you, you learn something new every day in this kind of space, right? Because you don't know everything. Uh, I don't know everything. If I did, I, you know, this would be a full-time kind of a job for me or something of that nature, but mm-hmm. it's not, you know, it's a hobby to me. That's what it is. Uh, just like yourself. Um, Let's get back into soccer a little bit. Uh, I want to kind of get your perspective uh, on this year, this past year's releases. I, 
people know my perspective. I think the market was kind of flooded with too much product. Um, mm -hmm. And people kind of challenged me on that because, well, football has got, you know, all this product. But we have to remember that soccer is kind of it's in its infancy stage where the rest of the world might be a soccer kind of dependent world. They're still not adopting or bringing the cards into their markets. It's more still a sticker market, right? So mm -hmm. our market really dictates kind of the pricing on on wax, on singles, on everything. So you see, you know, North America, Pulisic, uh, you know, Jonathan David, Alfonso David, those guys are always going to get mm -hmm. more, more like, let's say they're going to cost more, you know? Um, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. Alfonso Davies is great, but is he better than Nuno Mendes? No way. And I'm biased, obviously, because I'm Portuguese, but he's not a better player than Nuno Mendes. Don't care what anybody says. But because we're in North America, his values are higher. So for me last year, we had flagship. No, excuse me. We had first edition. We had flagship. We had chrome. And then we had sapphire, uh, along with all the other kind of on-demand sets that we've gotten. What was your favorite set of the last? We had Merlin too, right? I forgot what Merlin. Merlin's everyone's favorite. Last year, what, pro what product was probably your favorite product? And do you think the market was diluted by having so many products? I'm not even talking about Panini yet. But uh, uh, meaning, <laughs> um, yeah, I think there was way too many products. You know, I feel like Tops makes that mistake across the board. You know, if you if you notice how many 2022 baseball products came out just to capitalize on the strength of the rookies, yeah. you know, Tops Tops was trying to play that game too with soccer, and you know, I just I wasn't really feeling many of the sets. Um, you know, I, the traditional stuff that I know of. You know, Sapphire. Uh, Merlin, Chrome, those are my big three. Uh, my favorite release, though, I mean, I waited three months because it was a Topps UK drop uh, for Topps Pearl UEFA. Yeah. Now, that was that. It, it honestly had like an immaculate, like national treasures feel to it. Like every car was fixed stock. I actually have a Jao Cancelo for you because I was going through my cars to organize. And I, I remember I had saved that because I always save my you know Portuguese stuff for you. But that was probably my favorite set. It just felt so high end. And, you know, and at the time, I think retail was like 199 I got it like release drop. And uh, it was definitely worth the wait. My auto was uh, Chavi Alonso out of 49 on card. And then I ended up getting a Jamal Musiala one of one. Wow. Yeah, I, I saw the one of one. I immediately like, freaked out because I was like, this could literally be anything. And I knew Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, those guys were in there. And then I saw Luciano. I was like, there's not a better player I could have not expected to get. You know, it was definitely a great card. It's uh, the owner is in Thailand. A guy from Thailand bought it from me. And he said he's never going to sell it because he's a big Musiala collector. Okay, that makes sense. It's crazy the outreach, Musiala, all the way in Thailand. I mean, I bought my, you saw probably my post last week, I bought that gold of 10 uh, from somebody in Asia, too. Yep, uh, that was a it, nice card. Took me a, few, a little while to kind of negotiate that, but um, that's interesting that you brought up Pearl. I didn't get to buy any or open any, um, and I don't know what, the, what that number is at on that wax now, but... Um, could that potentially be a product in the future that maybe we look back and say, that product was awesome. Why didn't we buy that? Or why why weren't we as interested? Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, it's a, It was very limited. The print one was, uh, was very low. It was definitely the 
maybe between like 1000 and 1500 was the print run on it. Uh, the price shouldn't have deterred anyone. I mean, granted, it was a one one autograph, one um, parallel product, but you know, one ninety nine for a high end set. Uh, I think what deterred everyone was because it was only a European tops product, so you were only able to get it in tops UK, Germany, Italy. You know, the wait time with table rate. Like I said, I waited two months for it, but that's the game you play when you order from from overseas. But those, you know, European exclusives, I feel like they shouldn't be as slept on. You know, the tops on demand sets, you know, that that come from Europe, those can hail some big numbers if you get the right players, right parallels, autos. I think um, the market would definitely be happier to buy the product if Topps decided to also release it stateside so people didn't have that two-month wait at the 199 price tag. I definitely think if it was stateside, it would have been a sellout instantly. Yeah, I kind of, I, for example, I wanted that Mourinho stuff, the Mourinho mm -hmm. Platinum set that came out, and there's a bunch of it on eBay sitting there, but um, I just won't pay that price uh, for that. You know, and there's somebody in Connecticut that's got two boxes of it that I'm still trying to like haggle a little bit, but I'm gonna end up I'm gonna end up paying over, which is fine because I want to open it and see if I can get an auto or I should just buy the auto. They're not that expensive, but um, I'm looking back at these sets this year, and we look back. So in comparison to the year before, right? We had Jude, we had Pedri, had all those guys. This year we kind of had what we had Gavi. Who else was in there? Of like you know Jonathan David. John and David, just not the same, just not the mm -hmm. same as the year before, because I think a lot of these guys that are in these sets, um, you know, like Conse Sound, at AX now, he's the guy that I like that I'm high on. I have one of one from first edition, but um, I think a lot of these guys are like longer holds now, and maybe Tops did that on purpose, kind of like, like a Bowman, if you think about it, like. Mm -hmm. Well, where you got to hold stuff, Merlin. I think Merlin's like that. Merlin's a really fine example of that. Uh, like Ryan Turkey's in there. I thought he was one of the chases right away when that set came out. He's the guy I want to chase. I talked about that on the podcast months ago, uh, and his stuff is stuff starting to creep up as well. Um, so, um, in terms of those guys, you know, these sets are kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if that deters the hobby. What do you think? Do you think that the hobby gets upset that there is an instant gratification? I think a lot of people want instant gratification, but in this economic climate, we don't have that. And you don't have that with players that are in these sets either. Yeah, I think so. I think instant gratification is like the most uh, desired feeling. Obviously, when you look at the aspect of opening product, it's gambling. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. You're spending hundreds of dollars on a box, and a, a lot of people don't have the patience to hold out and wait. Uh, like you mentioned, last year's rookies are miles ahead. I got you. We're miles ahead than the rookies this year. You know, Maybe two to three rookies this year are still expensive, but every rookie from last year, although like Zip said, that Musiala's double Pedri, Pedri's still not cheap. And, you know, and there's a lot of sleepers from last year's rookie class compared to this year where I don't think there's anyone that I would consider a sleeper. It's either you're, you got it or you don't right now, in my opinion. You, men you mentioned Clinton Sal, and he's a guy that ever since you told me to, like, keep an eye on him, I've always had, a you know, one to three cards of his in my uh, watch list. Um, Sidney Rabiger, honestly, I think was the biggest bust of them all for, the, for that mm -hmm. year. Everyone went crazy for him because he was, like, 16 or 17, but he got loaned out to some to a team that's not going to really do anything with him or help development um for him you know hey, along with the division, didn't he 
Yeah, he went to second division Bundesliga, which I mean, I get, I get it. He's not even eighteen yet, so they're probably gonna have him, you know, down there until he's old enough. You know, same concept last year with Mukoku, who completely fell off the face of the earth. We can't. That's my ultimate L there. But you know, Raviger fell off instantly, and then and then Kyle George, unfortunately, a Juventus player. You know, he's riddled with injuries, so he's he's still recovering. And you know, I still have a couple of his cards. You know. In in the dark, just waiting to come out. And if he if he shines like I hope he does, then he will. I um, you know. Speaking of Kyle George, I I'm a believer in him too. Uh, that injury he suffered is a very bad injury. That it's one of those injuries where if he comes back, you've got to give him the extra year. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, it's kind of like you know the these guys that suffer these horrific knee injuries that they have to you got to give them time. Uh, to get back into game shape and, and that type of stuff. So I think the hobby's learning a valuable lesson right now in terms of being patient, right? And and I think one of the things that I still haven't been able to figure out, and it kind of bothers me, is when people are asking for certain players, right? Why are they asking for certain Well, I'll use an example. Benjamin Sesco. My profound hate for Benjamin Sesco is very well known. I own two of his slides. <laughs> yep which is fine, but I don't understand his pricing. I'm trying to understand who are the people that are driving these uh, hype names and for what reason. I get the Gabi hype because he can play. Sesco plays in the Austrian League, and he's, what, scored six goals this year? Hardly, like, you know, you know, that's probably two goals in the Portuguese League. I hate to say it, but, um, you know, I, I, I'm trying to get an understanding. Salzburg. Salzburg effect. What is your what? Yeah, exactly. Everyone thinks there's another Holland that's going to come out of there. What do you think? You think it's a Salzburg effect? What do you think that is? So, I mean, there has been a couple. This term I learned it from baseball, but there's a lot of hobby darlings that come from Salzburg. You know, I'm not, and Holland is who started it. And I'm not knocking Holland's game. He's the Terminator. He's good. He came from Salzburg, and that's what started the trend. Then we had Sobo's life stud you know getting there who else adiemi he goes to dortmund everyone went nuts for him and now sesco it's a it's just a constant effect i think until you know they're finally proven wrong that not everyone that goes to salzburg that's scoring goals is going to be the you know another holland but now that ever since holland went there they're all of a sudden on the map as a prospecting team that's a good that's a i think that's probably the right perspective it's kind of like me saying you know, everybody that comes out of Benfica is going to be a great player, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's I'm very biased towards. I'm a Benfica supporter, but there's been plenty of players that Benfica has sold off that I said good riddance. Like for example, when they sold Tavares last summer, two summers ago to Arsenal, I said good riddance, and I had some Arsenal buddies go, "Yeah, we got a great player." I go, "He's not good," and what happened this year? He gets loaned out to Marseille because he's not good. Um, but you know, I think that's. That's what happens. I mean, people expect uh, teams to continue to develop uh, the same type of players, and that's not the case. There's another kid at Leicester City who barely plays, too, who was a Salzburg guy. What was his name? Um, another striker uh, that people had there. I can't remember his name, but just another guy that people were just, like, going nuts over. And um, I'm trying to think. No, I can't think of his name either. But uh, so that's kind of interesting that we see that. I'm always trying to trying to figure that out. Who drives that? 
you know, Gabi, we know he can play, Pedri can play, but they're also Barcelona. They're a marketing machine. Um, Serie A doesn't have that same effect, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, we have to do things differently when it comes to Serie A. Um, and uh, we'll talk about that in a second. We'll just take a little quick break right now. All right, Mike, we're back here again. Um, we were talking right before the break about hype players and how players get hyped. Um, so for me growing up, because I'm a little older than you are, uh, Syria was always the number one league in the world. Um, always had the best players in the world. Uh, always had the best young talents in the world. May not have been the most stylish football in the world, but they were the best league in the world. I think Syria has a, a tremendous opportunity right now if they could market their players better. Uh, you talk about some mm -hmm. of the players playing in Syria, Dusan's, the Victor Osamides, the Rafael Leons of the world. You know, look at Barella. Barella, I think, is one of the best midfielders in the world. Um, Sandro Tonali, another guy that I think is one of the best midfielders in the world. Mm -hmm. I feel like the hobby does not give them the love that they should. I mean, Leon and Osamide and Dusan have gotten that love. But I don't think anybody else. How do we? I'm not. I'm not a, trying to say we need to change that attitude, but I think the hobby as a whole needs to change the respect and the attitude towards Italian football. And I get this kind of enamoring that people have with, you know, Pep Guardiola and the way he, they play football, right? But mm -hmm. what does it matter if you're not winning? You know, he might win shit this year. All right, that's a failure to me. And you look at Mourinho, who's coaching, and I'm a big Mourinho fan, obviously, and I'm biased, but he is coaching a Roma team that is not very talented. They sit third, fourth place in the league right now, possible Champions League. They're doing well in Europa League. I, I, I just don't get it. I think our, our society has become, and even the hobby, they want to see beautiful football. Don't get me wrong, I do too, but you want to see winners. Winners is what mm -hmm. we uh, and we look at Napoli this year, they're killing it. Osamine's doing great things. His, and we've already talked a little bit about it, but like, are they marketing him enough? I don't think so. Because I don't think people watch Serie A. Yeah, I, I don't think they're marketing enough. You know, coming from an Italian household, I grew up every Sunday was, you know, a day full of games, whether they were teams that we supported or not. You know, it was just an, always exciting to us. And I think, Serie A is not broadcasted enough. I know at times, like especially on ESPN, you know, they can throw a La Liga game in there or an EPL game in there. You know, I don't even think the Bundesliga is advertised enough, you know, compared to the English Premier League and La Liga. And I think that just solely has to do with, you know, the fact that majority of the time, the biggest named players have always been featured on, you know, a Real Madrid team, a Barcelona, a Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea, I can go on. And because of that, you know, they casted a shadow over other European leagues, primarily Serie A, and which is crazy because Serie A has Champions League winners and multiple time Champions League winners. That is, you know, world class players have come from Serie A, you know, Ballon d'Or winners, you know, some of the highest transfer pro profit players have come from Serie A. And for some reason, nobody has thought 
well, if these players are that expensive and they're going to big name teams, maybe we should watch. Maybe we should see what makes them expensive, what makes them attract big named clubs and and so on. You know, there's players who can be or superstar potential, Leao and Osiman for sure, because they're the youngest. Vlahovic, at one point, his cards were absurdly expensive, and then they just fell off the market. It's just the it's always a quick ride on the wave, and then the wave crashes. And if Syria A could just get more TV time, you know, aside from just being on Paramount Plus, where not everyone's got Paramount Plus to watch every Serie A game. I think they can definitely be more successful, bring in more revenue, and also get their players' names out there. There are some wonderful players in, in Serie A that, that people just do not know about. I think the Bundesliga does actually a pretty good job of marketing themselves because we everybody knew who Holland was. Everybody knows who Dortmund is. They do a good job. Nobody knows who Stasasulo is. Mm-hmm. They're, they're a factory. You know what I mean? They're a factory of developing players uh you know you look at their pipeline in the latest let's say the last summer you had skamaka you had raspadori right all these guys that are coming out of that you know that team um there's a lot of talent in syria i i don't know if you opened any i opened actually two boxes of syria this year mosaic because i think a lot of the rookies in there are uh you know destiny udagi plays for um udinense right uh, mm-hmm. but he's a Spurs player. He's on loan. Um, I actually got one of his of 99. I was so happy. It was probably the one card I was really excited to get this year because out of a pack, because of the way he, he just played in, in that league and I've, in the way I've seen him play. Uh, and for Spurs fans, I think it's going to be exciting to have him back when they bring him back. Cause Conte's going to bring him back sooner or later, um, probably this summer, but so you didn't open any of the mosaic. I opened some. I opened two boxes, and it's only because I had a loop credit because I re-signed up for the PSA um, uh, membership, and they gave me a hundred dollars credit. So I was like, "Oh, there's a guy on nice. there selling a box for a hundred bucks," which was like way under because it's like one hundred forty bucks usually. I said, "I'm gonna use my loop credit. Open me up a box." Um, so. You know, I really think there's a lot of kind of opportunity there. And the Italian market is such a big market. But like you said, people aren't, you know, Paramount Plus. They're not on NBC. They're not on USA Network every weekend, right? Like we see the Premier League. Um, It's probably going to take those leagues to dummy up and try to sell their rights to someone. Obviously, Paramount came in and said, hey, we'll give you this this amount of money. Uh, to broadcast your games, but I think if I'm correct, I think the CBS on Paramount. I believe so. So I think if CBS is smart, they should start probably playing some of those games. Like this weekend was a perfect opportunity. You had um, AC Milan and Atlanta, which was a huge game in the league um, on Sunday. I think that game was played. I watched that game and I was like, this would have been a really good game to put on, you know, CBS nationally mm-hmm. for that promotion period. So occasionally um, they do broadcast them on CBS and, you know, on just like regular cable because my grandparents, you know, they don't do smart TVs. They don't use like Fire Stick or anything. So they don't have Paramount Plus. And, you know, every now and again, my grandfather's like, oh, you wouldn't believe it. Like I watched Copi Italia in English today because they played it on CBS or the Super, you know, the interleague tournaments and they'll put it on and it makes them happy because 
not every like you said not everyone is a subscriber not everyone can see it not everyone also has the italian channels to watch the games in italian so uh, i definitely think they need to meet a, a higher standard in being able to get their name out there cbs would make money out of it anyway so they're really losing out on themselves yeah i mean i have the same issue with portuguese league games i you know lucky for me i have a program where i can watch all the games uh you know i have I won't go into it, but um, in terms right. of how I do that, but, um, and I've mentioned the Zips cards before, maybe we'll do it all together one of these days, the next Derby, where it's a Benfica Porto or a Benfica Sporting, I'll have you guys over to watch that, just so you guys can see what it's like uh, in the kind of the Portuguese league league world, what happens there and how, I mean, they probably have the same problems in Italy. The, the ultras are, are crazy. They they just mm -hmm. are crazy. Um, back to Serie A though. So, we have Osamine, we have Dusan, we have Leon. Um, what other players do you think people should take notice of from Serie A besides the guys we've already talked about? So you mentioned another player that I am now thinking about buying, and I've been watching his cards, is Raspadori. Uh, he's currently injured, so you might be able to find his cards at a, at a dip, but he's got a lot of potential. He's got all the tools. He can play multiple positions. Um, me personally, I'm trying to hunt down some of his uh, contenders rookie tickets, cracked ice, preferably just want to get the best looking one because it's a beautiful card. He's in his Sassuolo kit, which, you know, to me doesn't make a difference because that's his rookie card. Uh, but he is going to be with Napoli for many years to come. As long as he stays healthy, he's got the most potential to me, especially on the Italian national team side as well. I he's mentioned Miretti. It's funny. Well. It's funny because Raspadori, right? You you're talking about mm -hmm. him. I pulled one of his rookies. Is it like the mosaic silver? Not a silver, but it's the mosaic mosaic with the prism mm -hmm. thing on it. I pulled one mm -hmm. and I it's a grade two. Because I think what happens there is Osamine's moving this summer. I don't care what Na Napoli says. Mm -hmm. They're gonna move him, they're gonna sell him. They have to. Who becomes a who becomes a starter? Raspadori becomes that starter at that because, like you said, he can play that position. He plays multiple positions and he can play that spot. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that evolves. Um, go ahead, talk again about your Juventus guy there. <laughs> Meretti and Fagioli, both of them, I think they're going to have bright futures. You know, in my opinion, Italy breeds some of the best midfielders. And I could go on for days. You know, I can throw another Juventus player, Marchisio. You know, one of the best to do it, Pirlo. You know, you have a Pitbull and Gattuso. You know, Dotti, you know, Del Piero was a good attacking midfielder. You know, they breed them. And Juventus is known to be farming most of them. But I believe those two guys uh, for midfielders are definitely, you know, my two top guys. Um, as for defense, defenders, you know, defenders don't really get love. But don't sleep on Kalulu at Milan. Kalulu, for sure, I also believe has a bright future, you know, it, it, aside from those guys, I mean, just don't sleep on those guys on the lower half of the table because th those are the guys where they're also very hungry, and that's where you see the real animals come out. You're going to see a guy maybe 15th to 17th on the board. You know, his team's not doing well, but if you see his numbers, and if he's putting in the work, that just means he's he's goal-driven. He wants to get to a better team. You know, don't sleep on any of those teams. Cremonese, Salernitana, Sassuolo. Don't sleep on those guys. I like the kid a lot. You probably you know this though. I like the kid Atlanta a lot. Scalvini. Uh, yeah, he's definitely going to be there. He can he can play in the back. He can play 
the, the defensive midfield role. He's he's an impressive player. Um, and I think Serie A, if you think about Serie A for many years, it's had the notion that it's a defensive league, which it is. It's probably the best defensive league in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you're scoring goals like some of these guys are scoring, that's really impressive. Um, you know, Victor Osman's got those numbers years ago. Ronaldo, when he was at Juve, scoring the goals that he scored was impressive because in Italy and Serie A, you have nasty defense, nasty defenders who, and we've seen it, they can play anywhere in the world in any league at any time. Uh, even in the 90s and in the, you know, 2000s, where Serie A was at the strongest uh, strongest moment, you had, again, the best defenders, the best midfielders in the world. Some of the best strikers in the world were there. I mean, Zidane played in, the, played in Serie A, right? Rui Costa, mm-hmm. Fiorentina, Milan. Um, and by the way, I always talk about this, but he was both of the best number 10, um, Il Maestro, in the league when Zidane was there. So that's how good he was. But he doesn't sign autos, so I'll never get one of his autos. Um, but you think about Italy, and the I, I always thought of the Serie A as a very technical league as well, especially for midfielders. Uh, they learn a lot there. Um, you look at, uh, and I'm going to go back to the Portuguese connection here, but Bruno Fernandes went to Italy to learn, and mm-hmm. he became a bit more technical than he already was. Indonesia. Yes, Udinese, exactly. Uh, you have a lot of players that do that because, uh, and you have some English players there now too that are that are playing in Syria. Tammy Abraham goes there and becomes an impressive player who I think he probably should have been on, on the English national team, but it is what it is. Um, so there's a lot of talent there. Uh, and I just don't think, you know, uh, Panini obviously has got the license for for Syria. So we see Mosaic and that's it. I think we're, we're going to get a select product too, I think this year, if I remember correctly. You got England Premier League. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Italy is getting a select product as well, and Spain. Re- Revolution gets the English Premier League every year as well. Yeah, that just came out. I think mm-hmm. it just did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but select will be an interesting product um, to see. Uh, you know, just the EPL stuff is cool. Don't get me wrong, but there isn't. I don't think there's a lot of opportunity in a lot of those sets. Unless you're finding big parallels of some of the big players, I myself, and I guess this is my next question to you, is I don't find. Uh, I'll give you a story. Last week, I had somebody approach me with a Fabio Vieta of five red from this year's Chrome, so it's not his rookie, right? Mm-hmm. I said I'll give you twenty five bucks for it, you know, and the guy didn't like that, and I was kind of like, well. You know, uh, Manuel Neuer, who's one of the greatest goalkeepers ever, PSA 9, sold for $40. You know, I mean, uh, I think I'm actually going over, uh, you know, my pricing on on certain things here. Um, I myself don't like numbered stuff that is, let's say, second or third year yet in soccer, because I think soccer's in infancy. I like second year stuff of goats in other sports. So, like, Ronaldo, Messi, second year stuff. It's expensive already. We know that. Um, first World Cup stickers, expensive. First Euro, first international, expensive. What is your stance on some of that stuff, like second year and, and after? Like, you know, you see these breakers, right? And we've seen less and less of them now on whatnot. You know, they they get all excited. Oh, yeah, we got a, um, a Thomas Muller of five. You know, it's only his fucking 15. Yeah. You know what I mean? I find no excitement in that. What's your perspective? Uh, I think 
Well, it's funny you mentioned this, like, you know, post-rookie year parallels. Um, like I said, I'm an Mbappe buyer. So the other day I went on an auction house site and I just typed in Mbappe just to look, primarily 2017 Chrome. I saw a red refractor from last year's Merlin um, PSA 10, and it was already at $300 and it has about four days, five days left to go. And I was like, that's, it's crazy to think that the third year, or no, technically five year, fifth year Mbappe red refractor is still commanding such a high premium. But I feel like every year for a certain player, you know, every year farther away from their rookie year, as long as they stay hot and relevant, their numbers are never going to go down just due to the demand. Uh, it's a red refractor. It's out of five. It's a star player. It's still going to hold weight. But then if you're more of like a guy who's not really that hobby friendly, but everyone knows him, Thomas Muller, you know, everyone knows who he is, you know, definitely you know, a legacy type of player. He's been at Bayern forever. He's done everything he could with them. You know, he's, I'm pretty sure he was a featured player at the World Cup when they won. Yep. So he's done it all, but because he's not that flashy guy, regardless of his career, the flashier players, I think, will always command a premium. Uh, Holland's rookie was 2019, but this is his first year of PRISM. So that first year prism hype for Holland is going to make is going to drive that EPO product very high very early, and I'm pretty sure once the one of one gets pulled, it's going to immediately tank because after that it won't have the same effect. Everyone's going to be trying to chase a black prism or the black disco if you get breakaway, but aside from that, I think hype hype dies fairly quick for the majority of the product. And aside from goats, like you said, second year goats you know, or the flashiest guys on the market, everyone else shouldn't be too expensive. Like I'm talking, I'm trying to buy like Del Piero, you know, Chrome refractors, you know, colored parallels. I'm not trying to spend more than 30, $40 at most because it's just a refractor in my opinion. You know, there's still Del Piero products. I wish I would spend the money on, you know, there was a, I can't remember the product line, but it was a Panini one, beautiful auto, you know, the cards had beautiful imaging on them, but I just can't think of the product name, but it's super expensive. The guy, the, there's a guy who wants about $1,000 for oh. his PSA 10. I just can't think of the name. It was similar to Treble, but it was like a one-year set. It's like 2017. Oh, Nobility. Oh, Nobility, yeah. It was a Nobility PSA. But like people, like players like that, maybe 500 bucks, cap it off at that. But you can't be committing high numbers for players that, you just they shouldn't be warranting high numbers. See when it's, so here's I'm gonna agree. Uh, it's Mbappe, right? Fifth year, like we're looking at, we're talking like what that is going for. Mm -hmm. I don't disagree with that price because it's Mbappe. He's the best player in the world. I don't care what anybody tells me. He is the best player in the world. Um, FIFA might think Messi was the best player, the best in the world, right? On that, uh, he got elected. It, uh, you mm -hmm. know, but he's also a, a FIFA boy, so. I get it. Um, Messi's different. I mean, Mbappe's just different. Uh, guys already won a World Cup, almost won one, another one single-handedly. Um, and so he's a guy that, you know, I can see why those values are what they are uh, and, and why they, you know, because he's still so young too. Um, mm -hmm. And not to shame your Del Piero card, um, but growing up, I thought for that era, Del Piero was probably a top two striker in the world. Um so do I think that a thousand bucks for that nobility card PSA 10 auto is expensive? Yes, it's expensive. Do I think it's worth it? Yes, I do. Um, but that's because 
you know, having watched Del Piero and what he did for the game, also World Cup winner, uh, you know, I mean, uh, the credentials are there. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, he scored some amazing goals and she's an amazing player. And I think a lot of these guys that, even some of the bigger guys in social media that um, they have a lot more bigger following than I do. Cause I heard one of them talk about how he'd never seen a certain player. Like he had never seen hazard play at Chelsea, but he's a Chelsea fan. Right. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to, this is slapstock Aaron. He's a good guy, um, but he had never seen hazard play. And I tell everybody all the time hazard at Chelsea. Demon changed games, dude. He won games for that. He just mm-hmm. incredible player. Yet there are people that just came into the hobby now that think Phil Foden is a better player at that position, which it's not, it's not even comparison. When you look at numbers um, I've looked at the numbers before and Hazard's numbers are superior, but he doesn't command the hobby love because cards weren't around really in that era. We weren't having this sports collecting kind of Renaissance, especially in soccer being in so infant stages, imagine a hazard at that point in time, of what we just went through playing at that level. It's crazy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a lot of people that are still out there that are trying to learn. Uh, and you obviously grew up watching it too. So, you know, a little bit more than, and some of us, we, that's our edge. We have an edge. We've seen so much before. Uh, and I always tell people, you know, one of the things I always tell people is make sure you watch a player before you buy him. Um, don't just buy him because somebody else is telling you to, and that sparks off our last kind of conversation here, but what do you try to do? Do you try to watch a lot of games? I know time is sometimes crucial for all of us. Uh, for me, I try to watch them as much as I can. My wife wants to come in. Now I have a baby on the way. It's going to be very difficult for me to watch as many as I used to. What do you do? What's your strategy? First off, congrats again on the baby on the way. I know we're very close. And uh, my strategy, I mean, I try to watch the games. Obviously, today I was working uh, while the Juventus game was on, but because we're trying to advertise soccer, I streamed it from my phone to the main TV, just so it gives people something to understand. Uh, but most of the time, uh, I'm recording them while I'm away, and I try to do my best to like not spoil it for myself, watch it while I'm having dinner. Or, you know, the Champions League, for instance, anytime I miss a game, they post highlights same day, like a nice 10 to 13 minute video showing key play, you know, goals, you know, the wild moments of the game, you know, crucial plays. And I try to just utilize that as much as I can. But if I – anything on the weekend, I try to do, do, my, do my best, you know, get up early, just watch the game, commit. Um, the World Cup definitely put everyone to a test, making sure that everyone could watch a game, you know, getting up at 4.30, 5.30 in the morning to to meet that hit time. But – um I try to do my best to not spoil it as my strategy. And I just watch recordings. And what are you saying? But you know what's funny about the World Cup is I tell everybody Mm -hmm. that World Cup soccer is the worst quality soccer you can watch in the world. The best quality soccer you can watch is Champions League because those guys don't play together that often, right? So it's Mm -hmm. not for people that know soccer and watch it. I I watch the games, of course, and I enjoy them, but I'm kind of like, eh. You know, and then you watch last week, like, or was last week at Liverpool at home goes up to nothing and Real Madrid just drops five on them. Like, like it didn't bother them. Um, You know, you know what I mean? And uh, because I was talking about, I was talking a lot about Xavi last week too uh, with Barcelona. Mm-hmm. 
they're in first right in the Spanish league right now, but he lost this weekend. So Real Madrid is creeping back in. And, you know, and I've talked about it. I said, well, should he lose his job if they don't win their league, you know, and they just got eliminated from the champ from the Europa League by Manchester United. I mean, it's kind of a crazy time. I think certain guys have certain rules for certain certain flavor. I don't think he can coach, but that's just my opinion. Um, he probably knows how to manage young talent, but he doesn't know how to coach in game, uh, given what they have. You know, that's two years mm-hmm. now that, you, that like they get kind of, you know, Benfica destroyed them last year uh, in the Champions League. They eliminated them pretty basically, where everyone gave them no shot. This year, same thing. They get eliminated again. You know. Um, and I don't mean to like jump around on the topic, but, you know, watching the games is very important because, you know, uh, during the World Cup, we talked about this before, Mbappe, right, and his prices. I was actually in a card shop when the final was going down and they went to overtime. And there was a guy in there who does not buy soccer. He goes, he's, he's he was on eBay looking for Mbappe cards because he watched that game and he was like, this guy is incredible you know uh and that's you're right so when you when you're broadcasting that stuff especially where you work um to give people that kind of sense of introduction into a sport that they may not know about and give it a chance you'll find people be like you know you could watch that finals they would be like oh my god this guy is incredible i mean to me he was still the best player on the field uh that game but that's me um so you know I think it's important for us. Obviously, I'm not a guy that likes to, I don't hide anything. You see that on Instagram. I post everything uh, on prospecting. Um, and I'm, you know, I don't want to say it, but I'm usually right always uh, on certain players. I've been wrong on a few, but, you know, there's, and I'm going to go into that like later on when the season wraps up. So when I go back and review the players I was hoping that would be good this year. We had a discussion before mm-hmm. the season started where you talked about, Eddie Abbey scoring 20 goals at Dortmund. I told you he wouldn't score more than eight. So he might still get to eight. So we, we don't know. Um, but it's interesting because uh, of what we see and how the sport can grow. And we have to grow the hobby too. Um, and we, I don't find you to be selfish. I'm not, uh, some of the others aren't, but we have a lot of different uh, toxic people uh, in the hobby today. For example, I'm not going to bring up the name yet because I'm still doing some research there's a big uh, name in this hobby that uh, let's say scammed a bunch of people um, terribly bad. Mm. I'm investigating kind of what's going on. I actually asked for an interview with this guy, not suspecting that um, I was going to bring up what he might've done because I haven't done the research on it yet. He declined. He declined. Is this a Connecticut individual? No, it's not. It's not. No, it's not. Um, Okay, I don't I want to go too much with similar situation. I don't, I don't want to go too much into it because uh, you know I want to kind of until yeah. I until I get all my facts, I can't really slander somebody for or try to identify what might have gone wrong. But how do we how do we keep all the toxic people, toxic individuals out of this hobby? I know in Connecticut, I don't think some of these guys are toxic. I think they're just guys that either one, they want to get out of the house and get away from their wives every weekend and do shows every weekend and just display their like cards that they're never going to sell because their comps are out of this world. Or, or they're, uh, I just don't know. I can't explain it sometimes. Uh, 
how do we make sure that the hobby has a future, especially with uh, some of the younger people that are in the hobby? I mean, I feel like I'm old now, but um, especially some of the the younger kids that are coming to the hobby that love the sport. How do we continue to promote um, the sport? I mean, I opened up a lot of Merlin. I'll give you an example. And there was uh, I was at a card shop too, and there was a kid in there with his mom. He wanted some blasters and and the money situation was tight. And I told him, hey, listen, I got a four-row column box of Merlin and like Stadium Club and Topps Chrome from this past year. There's stars in there. You can have them. You know, and the kid was happy. How do we continue to build on that versus building on, oh, this is a value or a uh, proposition of selling to to make money. You know what I mean? It's kind of a weird kind of question, but. So I actually had a discussion like this a um, couple of days ago. I noticed a couple of foul plays, you know, on social media uh, within the hobby. And I think what needs to be happening is more encouraging and less scrutinizing towards new collectors. You know, Facebook hobby has to be the most toxic environment on the planet right now. Uh, there's literally people who you could see had just joined the group and you could see that they they really didn't know what they were doing. You know, they had a very high end hit in a top loader with no sleeve. And we all know that's a sin. But clearly this individual didn't know that he had to do that. And rather and he was asking for value. And rather than getting answers and also, hey man, sleeve that card before you top load it, he's just getting bombarded with hatred in the comments. And it's incredible the keyboard warriors that, that there are. And not only is that just bad to just do to someone, but think about how many kids are in Facebook groups who are also getting into the hobby and they're seeing those kinds of comments. That connotates two different things. One, wow, I don't want to be in the hobby because I got these guys being complete asses to me. And two, well, if that's how they're talking to people, those guys must be getting deals done. That's how I'm going to start portraying myself as well. You know, kids are like sponges so whatever they see us doing within the hobby they're going to try to do it too and they're going to try to do it even to a higher extreme so that they can possibly supersede us in the hobby and i just think the toxicity can drop solely if we're just more encouraging and you know stop trying to uh, like step on toes and gaslight other people rather than worrying you know not saying like you you're investigating a situation that's different but like there are some people i see that they're all their stories are they're just constantly trying to put shade on other collectors or other sellers and it's just that's their sole you know objective on social media like i never see certain people post cards for sale or links to auctions or whatnot it's just look at this collector and what they're doing wrong once again it's just like i i just got so tired of it i just had to unfollow a few people at one point yeah, no, I agree, man. I think there's a lot of, uh, I've had a few run-ins where uh, I've made a post to try to break down some data for people, right? And people challenge me on that, which is fine. But if you're going to challenge me because you hate what I'm trying to say, I have a problem with that. Um, if you don't have anything justifiable to say or good feedback, um, it's just, it's 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 not constructive right uh it turns me into and i've learned to kind of like whatever i don't care i've gotten a lot of hate uh messages i've never posted before uh you know from breakers from individuals you know where i might post a card because i don't sell a lot of stuff on on instagram and they say dude you're way below on that you got to be higher 
because they have the same card and they don't want me to drive the price down. Um, but if I'm not into the card that much, why does it matter if I can make the sale and make somebody happy? I don't care. I can move the card to get into it so I can buy something for my PC that I want. And breaker, same thing. I did a Merlin break. The last break, that was the last break I did. Uh, what is it? Four or five months ago, whatever it was. Dude, I made 80 bucks on that break over like five hours of breaking because you know what? I wanted to give back a little bit and this was on whatnot. Um, and I had breakers contacting me telling me like, you're, you're a dickhead because your pricing is ridiculous. It's too low. It's inf it's infringing on my business. I said, that's not my problem. Um, I want to try to grow the hobby. It benefits everybody. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't know uh, where we're going, but you're absolutely right. I appreciate that kind of insight. Um, before we wrap up here, um, I always like to ask the question. Uh, I did it with Greg recently when he was on the episode. Uh, what's your passion? Uh, it doesn't have to be hobby related. It can be anything that's related to your life. What is your passion? My passion is food. Uh, my wife and I, we try to, you know, make different types of food every week. Um, mostly her, just due to her skill level, is much higher than mine in the kitchen, but I'm getting there. Um, it's food. You know, we we, tr we like to watch, like, the competitive food shows, and then, like, wow, that looks like a good idea, and then we try to make it, you know, emulate it, make it our own thing. Um, I think food is a good way to express yourself, because if, you know, if you're feeling like you just want to chill, you can make a sandwich. If you're feeling being, being bold, you can try to make something advanced and it also just, you know, fine tunes a, a skill everyone should learn because, you know, learning how to cook adds to your survivability rate personally. And it just also makes you a, a little more cultured and understanding of like, you know, different types of food from different types of countries, cities, you know, just going to the different side of the state, you can experience an entirely different type of cuisine. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like food too. I'm fat, so I, I like food a lot too. We're going to have to... Actually, one of these nights, we're going to have to plan a night where uh, I take you guys up to a restaurant in Hartford, uh, a Portuguese place um, that I've gone out to a few times because my parents were here for the holidays. So I took them there um, one day. We've gone with my uh, wife's parents as well, who had never had Portuguese food before. And they had the best time ever. The problem is when you go to a Portuguese restaurant, it's not like going to a regular restaurant, like an Italian restaurant or whatever. You're in there for like five hours, dude. Mm -hmm. You're hanging out. They don't rush you. They want you to drink. They want you to eat. They want you to relax. That's the whole idea. And it, it's very much like that in Italy too. I've been to Italy. It's the same style. Uh, over here, we have Americanized Italian food, as you know. Uh, but that stuff is kind of uh, neither here nor there. But we got to do that mm -hmm. one. Oh, I'd definitely love to do that. I was at a Portuguese restaurant not long ago in New Britain for... Uh... My cousin, his daughter was baptized at the church in New Britain. I can't remember the name, but it was a Portuguese restaurant. Great food. It was their vegetable the, the way they cook their vegetables was like the best I've had, aside from like restaurants I've been in Europe. Oh, I, I don't just can't think of the name right now. I, I care about the seafood and, and the the meat. Oh, the seafood. The seafood was on a different level as well. But you know, I have to make sure you know you gotta make sure you pair everything right. The seafood was flawless, pasta was good, the I the meat, you know, I did 
I'm a big boy too, man. So I can talk for about, we can make a whole separate podcast for food. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, Mike, I appreciate you coming on. Um, give everybody your Instagram handle again. So they give you a follow. Make sure you guys give him a follow. He does post up some really good deals on some cards as well. And I hope, uh, you know, you enjoyed the time here for a little bit that we had. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. Yeah, you guys can follow me at vets.cards on Instagram. And if you have a Twitter, it's vetscards, no dot in between. And uh, feel free to hit me up. Everything's always OBO. I'm never firm on a card. I'm always liquid. So make sure you also pay attention to Paolo's stories because we got more Champions League games coming up. So some crucial yeah. information could definitely be coming out. All right, man. I appreciate you. I'll see you. Uh, we'll be in touch again soon. Of course. Thank right. you. Take care, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of Special One Cards. Join us again next week. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Special One Cards. DM me any questions, concerns, hobby rants, or experiences you've had at shows online. Something for us to kind of talk about a little bit more. Again, thank you for the support. I really do appreciate it.